You're listening to You're United listening. Q Podcast. We're brought to you by ProQ, Barbecue Gourmet, Kamado Joe, and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ provide quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. And you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. ProQ Gourmet, supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning rubs, sauces, marinades, and accessories from the US and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. Kamado Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting, or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out commandojoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. I'm Dan and I'm here with my co-host Ben. Hello. And on today's show, we have Mike Lang, a.k.a. Another Pint, please. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Really good, thank you. Thanks for agreeing to come on the podcast. It's great to finally speak to you. Yeah, no, by all means, and thanks so much for having me. I consider it a great honor. Uh, the honor's all ours. Your your Instagram feed has been inspiring lots of cooks for lots of people, and especially me. I've been following you for a couple of years now and love seeing what you're doing and always post such awesome photos. So it's great to finally talk to you. Yeah, oh my gosh, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. It's definitely, a, it's been a labor of love, and that's how I keep my daily sanity. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. So do you want to start off just by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do yeah yeah by all means um i started actually the my blog another pint please back in the, the blogging days uh ironically enough my wife hails from the isle of white was born and raised or raised there and i started the blog on a trip overseas to some friends getting married up in colchester but i came home and realized i had nothing else to talk about and then decided you know what i'll talk about what i grill for dinner every night so really in the last 10 years it's kind of catapulted from there and uh, I ran a series for a while called What's on the Grill, where I would just take photos and kind of talk about techniques and processes. And from there, it's turned into a little bit of a different beast where I don't blog as much, but that's a good thing because I'm doing too much work for everybody else. Awesome. Yeah. So, so where did the name Another Pint Please come from? Then? Well, I kind of debated on what to call it for that initial trip over. And I think Belligerent Yank was one of them. Uh, but I ended up settling on another pint, please, figuring that would be the one phrase I would probably utter the most uh, during our time in England. And it seems to have stuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I definitely have mentioned that one a few times myself. <laughs> <laughs> it does work. Yeah. Not great for branding as a grill blog, but um, uh, it's still quite true to my love of beer. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, and you still do post quite a bit about beer as well, don't you? Yeah, I do. Um, it's still a passion of mine. It's kind of funny. You know, I started home brewing. Uh, well, it's been over 10 years ago. And at the time, at least in the States, uh, you could not get the kind of beer that you can today. And right now I live in Dayton, Ohio, and uh, I don't have the exact data, but Dayton has one of the highest capita brew pubs uh, per people in, in the country, which is amazing considering we're not that huge of a city. But everyone's quest for good beer has sent them out to develop their own brew pubs, their own breweries, and we're sitting in the middle of a beer renaissance. And I don't have a reason to brew as much because I can go get great beer right down the street. Yeah, definitely. I think over here, especially, I'm not sure if it's the same in the U.S., but over here, like craft beer is just kicking off like big time. It's so popular, and home brewing is also very popular. We only a few episodes ago we had a chap on John Finch who. He organizes or did organize the like biggest barbecue festival in the UK called Grillstock. 
Um, oh yeah. But, but he's he's like stopped doing that now, and he's just released a book all about the like beer craft and making your own beer, and it does seem to be hugely popular at the moment. It's it's amazing. I mean, uh, from going to England um, for all these years, I sought out real ale left and right. Never would have imagined I'd be back home here and could easily find a firkin tapped uh, at any number of local places. So it's 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 crazy how it's all happened. Yeah, because I only I only came to the U.S. Like, in the last couple of years, and growing up, people used to always say, "I oh, can't find real beer over in the U.S." <laughs> but, but but when I was there, there was plenty. There was loads and loads. <laughs> oh yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. Cool. So, so you do, you do like your own blog. You've still got your another pint, please, which you do actively post on it. You said maybe not as much as you used to, but you, there is still plenty on there. I was looking through, and something that really stood out for me was the quality of your photos that you take. They look like look amazing. So I wonder whether oh, you, whether we could do a little bit of a discussion and a little bit of chat about how to take such amazing photos of your food. Oh my gosh. Yeah, by all means. Um, it's funny. I've always enjoyed photography. Um, and you know, my career, I'm actually, I'm a, I'm a cop. It's my, for 20 years I've been on the job. Uh, and I've always loved photography, not necessarily of grisly things, but of things I find interesting and uh, unexpectedly that ended up becoming food. And certainly as time has gone on, you can see some of my early work is pretty disastrous and uh, a lot of it's mostly self-taught and learning some from some great other people that I've been fortunate to come across with professionally uh, in, in the food and grilling world. Um, I think, you know, you can take tremendous photos anymore simply from your smartphone. And I think that's one thing that's changed dramatically. Yeah. Uh, when, when I found it, one of the, the key things taking a good photo uh, is certainly light. You know, good quality light. And also, I'm a stickler for this, clean your lens. <laughs> Even if your phone comes out of your pocket, take a second, clean it off, get the smudges off of there, uh, and then be concentrated on your light source and where it's coming from. I, I think, um, you know, backlighting to me is tremendous. We take pictures of food, being cognizant where that light's coming from, not only the quality of it, uh, but the, or the quantity of it, but also the quality of that light. So from the get-go, I'd say clean your lens and watch your light source. Cool. And would you, do you often use actual lights set up to do it, or are you just relying on awesome weather that you've got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it depends on the time of the year. I'm lucky. Um, summertime in, in Ohio are long days of sunlight, and unfortunately now we're almost one day away from winter, which means you know it's 5.30, it's getting dark out, so I have to take out uh, you know, artificial light to go ahead and illuminate the grills. It's, and it's not the same, um, but usually the wintertime for me is tighter shots, not as much of a lifestyle shot. I want to concentrate on the food. That's really what looks the best. Uh, it certainly makes challenges, but you can still get some great captures this time of year, uh, especially playing with longer exposures and grilling steaks and capturing flames up out of the grill. You know, another thing too I like to hit on is that I like to make the grill come alive. It's one thing to take a shot of a steak or a chop or a roast. But when it's doing something like dropping fat onto the grates and vaporizing back up into the meat or a little bit of fat turns into flame or simply smoke rising off a barbecue, to me, those are the moments and the essence that take a great shot. And, you know, anybody can do it. Just a matter of kind of waiting and seizing that moment and taking as many shots as you can. Yeah, that's what I guess that's what I'm really noticing. I'm just flicking through lots of nice food that's making me really hungry but there's like, <laughs> but like you said there's there's times where there's just like a little cheeky flame creeping up in the background and you think <laughs> yeah that that's like the perfect moment was was met when you took that it wasn't 
just chance, was it? Yeah, well, maybe. You know, maybe. <laughs> I always say life's love and luck. Yeah. <laughs> I certainly, I certainly uh, relish both. Yeah. Uh, but it's nice too, not shooting on film. Um, you know, you can take as many images as you want to, yeah. and go through and just find that one that stands out. And don't, you know, don't settle. Always keep pushing yourself to get that one that you want. And if you feel it's not there, go back and hit it again. Have you ever taken any shots of um, like proper built-up burgers? I have some, yeah. Uh, yeah. Some sliders most recently, and also some burgers um, from last Thanksgiving, more of a Thanksgiving theme. I still kind of marvel at the guys that take those shots of you know a triple-decker burger with cheese melting off it quite yeah. right, because yeah. that melting cheese shot, that is the money shot yeah. to get it just right. <laughs> it's kind of like an egg yolk you know, breaking, everyone kind of oozing awe over that. Uh, it's the same thing. Yeah, definitely. I was chatting to someone who was doing some photography and stuff for recipes and book stuff that they were releasing, and they said that they spent two days trying to get a really good burger shot. <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> just said it's oh, like the, it. the hardest thing. They said it's just getting that burger shot was a really, really hard one to do. I could believe it. I mean, the phone is nice even on days where I'm just simply making dinner. I find it impossible not to photograph something. Uh, I mean, I always like creating content and capturing it and practicing. But yeah, and you get times if I'm actually doing a shoot for a particular project, it's yeah, it's it can be a little little stressful to make sure you get it just right, uh, especially when you put it out there into the wild. You know, people in our community are also have a quite the critical eye, and if they think it's not cooked right or not cooked enough, and well, some of those things may be subjective. You know, I still want to get across something that final image, that video, that really that hits its spot in the right spot, and I don't want to stop till I get it. Yeah, like you say, people do immediately critique it, don't they? The second you post something, it's like, mm, oh yes, uh, that's not that big a smoke ring <laughs> around there, is it? <laughs> oh yes, I've and those things. Yeah, you'll kind of go, oh yeah, and I've and I've learned to catch for things I would miss it being in in a hurry to get it done. But that's it's valuable feedback. I like it though. Yeah, and do you, do you are you making sure that these photos are of real food? You're not cheating at all and like making it up because you speak hear a lot of stuff about photography where it's food photography and they're kind of it's not even cheese on the burger and stuff like that yeah you're talking about uh <laughs> substituting things yeah they're, they're, i'm trying to for mashed potatoes and yeah, things exactly, like that yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it's all real in fact yeah. um when for weber when we were doing shoots uh for broadcast uh and even for the web realism was one of our goals and a lot of times working with the professionals when we were either out in los angeles or down in austin or up in chicago uh a lot of times they weren't used to actually everything being real and that the food being safe for talent to eat uh, and that it, it's a different process because you're not simply putting fake grill marks on something. You know, we're going to grill a steak uh, on this queue or on the summit and it's going to be ready to go and it's real. So for to me, it's it's no trickery. What you see is, is what you get and we're going to eat it when we're all said and done. Awesome. Just, just what I wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's real. Yeah. So, you, so you mentioned Weber there. So the Weber's like a big, big brand around the whole world, and you get, you're lucky enough to get to work with them, aren't you? Oh my gosh, yeah. It's, it's really kind of a, a dream come true. Uh, I've you know, been grilling on Weber grills now for over 25 years, and longer than that, if you consider when I watch my dad grill on one. Uh, but the opportunity to work with them over the last oh, seven or eight years or so has really has been a blessing. Uh, and I'm, it, it, what I do, I'm basically kind of like my moniker is I'm the grillographer for Weber. Uh, and that you'll see a lot of my content across uh, their social channels, which could be everything from the, the, the Americas, uh, Instagram or Twitter feeds, all the way to Russia, India, Mexico, Canada, um, and just images I'm able to capture for different projects or different themes we're trying to do. Uh, it's just an amazing company. I cannot say enough about the passion that they have 
and the fact that I'm able to share my passion and the two kind of melt together, it's, it's, it's really a treat. Definitely. And I think for so many people, whether like you cook on a Weber now or not, so many people, it was like their first kind of entry into the world of barbecue, wasn't it? Oh, completely. I mean, I had a picture, I was seven years old uh, in our backyard and there's a, a Weber kettle sitting there that my, my dad grilled on. I don't remember it vividly, but obviously it was a part of my life before I realized it. Yeah. And I think when, for me, definitely when I, I'd say like I've, I've always loved barbecue and always been into barbecue, but only like really seriously got into it in the kind of last sort of, I don't know, seven or eight years, I guess. And the f- the first thing that really got me hooked on it was getting my, my Weber 57 and watching YouTube videos of people <laughs> just doing all sorts of crazy stuff on it. And that was what got me hooked. I've, I've n- now subsequently moved on and I've still got that Weber and I think I'll probably keep it forever. It's like my little reminder of how I got into it all but <laughs> oh yeah no totally I still use I mean, it now and again as it because it's got just such big grill space on it it's really useful just to use it as a big grill now and again but but yeah it, it's got a love for it there <laughs> it, it's it's so incredibly versatile um and well my first Weber is my performer from 1999 that was originally red uh the classic red and of course at the time I just I I, I burned through it I used it so much and, and now it's blue but I refuse to let go of it, and I'm kind of sad I only have the red bottom to it, not the top. Yeah. I, I may still make a planner out of the bottom. I haven't decided fully on that yet to kind of memorialize it, but um, it's a workhorse. Uh, just today uh, at work, I um, smoked pork shoulders for lunch for everybody, and uh, one of the guys has got a Weber kettle and talking about, you know, should you do this on the kettle? I go, actually, I, I used the Summit Charcoal Grill. But there's no reason the kettle could not have done this. I mean, the kettle can do anything, and that versatility – whether you are doing direct cooking, indirect cooking, smoking for eight, 10 hours uh, is one of my loves for it. Definitely. So you, you must have quite a few Webers then out on your cooking area. Yeah, I'm up to, I think, uh, 11 or 12. Nice. So it's, <laughs> yeah, I had it onto the deck a couple of years ago under the hashtag grills need space yeah. <laughs> uh, because I was simply running out of room. But uh, it's a good problem to have because uh, new grills come out and I'm blessed and lucky enough to uh, create content for them as they launch. And uh, I'll keep on making space for as long as they'll have me. Yeah. So what, which is your favorite one? Can you pick one? <laughs> yeah, I think by far the Weber Summit Charcoal Grill. Yeah. Um, I said, uh, if I had to have one grill and get rid of everything else, that's the one grill I would hold on to because it just does everything and it does it so well. Uh, I mean, last night, uh, 11 o'clock at night, I put the, the butts on, locked it in at about 2.15, 2.25, and it held everything through all the way until uh, 11 o'clock uh, this morning uh, when I took them off to take them back into work. Uh, it's, it's, I absolutely love it. And that's the one. That's the one that's kind of like a almost like a double skin shell to it, isn't it? Right. It's double walled, insulated, stainless, and um, it the heat retention is phenomenal. Which you're using yet less fuel, uh, but also I, what I like about it is the ability simply just to grill on it. And it's twenty four and a half inch grate. Uh, I almost never take out my 26 inch kettle anymore because the 24 is just so versatile for what I, or the, the summit charcoal is just so versatile for what I want to do. Um, it's, it's really, it's a phenomenal workhorse. It's going to yeah. last me a long time. It's kind of like, to me, it feels a little bit like Weber's version of a Kamado type thing really, doesn't it? 
you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and people have made that comparison before, and I, Weber don't leaves really subscribes to it specifically. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's kind of its own its own beast. Yeah. Uh, but it's 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 truly in fact it's funny I've had several friends buy them since since the launch, and it's, I still in fact I'm getting text messages from friends say how do I do this or I want to do this or what do you think and it's kind of a, a contagion that catches on. Uh, it's it's something else. Yeah, it, you could, it's got like a gas starter with it, hasn't it? Yes, yeah, super convenient. Mm. It's twenty. I can get home, and in twenty minutes, with the gas start, load up charcoal, get it ready to cook. Now, I'm not always that efficient myself. The grill's much more better than I am sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But if I was sticking to it, uh, getting dinner on uh, very quickly is just as easy as either firing up a stove or firing up a gas or to get things to temperature. It's it's that convenient. Mm. So, but you can't use it. You can't actually cook on it with the gas, can you? The gas is purely there as a way to light it, isn't it? Yeah, purely a light assist to get the charcoal going. Cool. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. we um, Dan and I, when we were uh, filming a TV show over here, we we used the uh, big Weber. Is it a, because of a G? Is it a G? Big, oh, the, was it a gas grill? Yeah, we're talking the ranch. Yeah, grill? big. The, big gas one yeah oh it's probably the genesis yeah yeah genesis, genesis, genesis. Yeah, yeah something like that and it was like we didn't neither of us cook on gas normally but it was mm-hmm. such a like a beautiful thing to use and it was like huge it had loads of gas burners on it it had a smoking box <laughs> on it and it had a rotis- oh, yeah. rotisserie on it it had like everything going for it it was was a big big beast <laughs> yeah it's the that's a great line i mean yeah six burners all the way down to two burners i believe uh, and you can pump out a lot of food off of them without a doubt. Yeah, they look they look beautiful too. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So I've, I just I'm just looking through your feed at like loads of cool things. I <laughs> like your uh, little <laughs> your um, little Weber with his antlers on for Christmas with the uh, red, red <laughs> nose on it. <laughs> yeah, that was actually it's funny. Uh, that was an idea from last year, and then the weather was never quite right, and we got a little bit of snow. I was like, all right quick <laughs> yeah, antlers are gonna go on so let's do it yeah uh, those are the kind of moments that i love just something that kind of pops and you capture it and yeah i'm lucky to have the space to do it yeah so if you, is this your weather at the moment or is this is it gone again now <laughs> actually well actually it's uh nice now it's almost in the 50s uh fahrenheit really? Really? Uh, yesterday which is untypical for, for this time of year so I'll, I'll take it but i need some snow because i haven't had any good snow shots now in about three years so yeah. i think we're, we're due yeah awesome so yeah, with that, we guess Christmas is coming up now. It's just around the corner. Um, can we go through a few ideas, last-minute things? If people are still figuring out what shall I do, can we, have we got any inspiration for what people could do for their Christmas season this year? Yeah, well, I tell you what, I'm going to do uh, is I'm going to grill a beef Wellington, and I just a couple nights ago did beef Wellingtons, but only using the fillet versus the entire tenderloin. And I forgot how great they were. Um, I had a great recipe from uh, Pat Lafrida out of um, uh, New York who uh, had some tweaks to uh, the Wellington, but his was more for you know putting it in the oven or doing it in the stove and cast iron. Uh, but I converted it totally to be on the grill. And if you can cook a tenderloin or anything to temperature, just because you're adding puff pastry to it, uh, doesn't make it any much more difficult. And the presentation's phenomenal. And long as you're cooking at temperature, you're getting it off, and if you're shooting for medium rare, uh, at about 120, 125, you're going to have a Christmas roast that everyone's going to be talking about and probably 
rope you in doing Christmas every year for family, which <laughs> may not be the best of things, but it's certainly a badge of honor. Yeah, definitely. So it was, talk us through the stages of the process of making uh, Beef Wellington. Then. Yeah, the uh, beginning is, uh, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, not being classically trained, but at Duxelles, I believe it's just a mixture of mushrooms and shallots and sage. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the key, Pat's key, which I thought was brilliant to, and I actually heard a similar complaint on a food podcast, was to stop the puff pastry from getting kind of mushy from the meat as it cooks is to use tortillas that are cut in the same shape of the beef. That way it sort of helps absorb and act as a blocker to the puff pastry. That's cool. I've never uh, heard of that before. That's a good idea. Yeah, it is brilliant. So, mm. I mean, you start off with the sear over direct heat, uh, maybe 30 seconds to a minute aside uh, to get that sear going. And then with your puff pastry rolled out, uh, put the tortillas down, put the meat on top of that, uh, add on there your mushroom mixture, uh, top it with another tortilla, cinch up your puff pastry, Grill it indirect over a higher heat, maybe 400, 450, uh, to allow the puff pastry to set. Do an egg wash maybe 10 to 15 minutes after that. Then to continue that indirect uh, grilling until you get to about 120, uh, 125 internal. Take it off, let it rest, and there's dinner. Perfect. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Last year, we did, my wife actually, we didn't do it on the barbecue, but we're going to try it. It's a, she did a turkey Wellington. So it's kind of, it's kind of a similar concept, but with turkey inside. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, it came out so well. Had the turkey and the mushrooms and the cranberry sauce inside it mm. as well. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> are you gonna re are you gonna repeat that this year, or what are you gonna do? Yeah, I think we'll think we'll give that a go. I did the other <laughs> the other day last last Wednesday. I released a video of a uh, doing a whole turkey, but we boned and rolled and stuffed it with sausage meat and then cooked it on a rotisserie in the Kamado Joe and that came out so well it was like really really surprised that it came out so perfectly oh I heard you talking about that I've yeah. never deboned a whole turkey when you mentioned that I was like hmm yeah that sounds quite interesting yeah yeah I was I was tempted I was like All right, I'm gonna debone it myself but then when I went to the butcher and told him yeah I'm gonna debone this whole turkey he's like yeah I think, I think you should let me do that for you. <laughs> so ins yeah. instead I filmed him doing it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I call that smarter, not harder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've done a chicken. It can't be much different, but I didn't want to risk it on like a 50 pound bird. <laughs> oh yeah. You start putting things out like that and spending money. You don't want to screw it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and I think, I think too, for a lot of folks, that's the big concerns, a holiday meal. In fact, well, uh, one of my best friends did a tenderloin last year and I know he was just really worried about getting it right. And I think after he got through it and got it right, realized it's, it's really not that daunting. It's getting past that first step, you know, realizing what your benchmarks are, what you have to do. As long as you check your temperatures and keep you within the time constraints, it's, it's doable by about anybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So what, what about sides when it comes to what's, what's your like, favorite barbecue sides to have with a, with a Christmas dinner? I love to plank potatoes. Really? And I haven't done that before. Yeah, it's in fact, uh, typically, lately, it's been oftentimes planked mashed potatoes, or you can call them planked twice-baked potatoes, that you're basically going to make mashed potatoes, uh, as you normally would, and then put them on a soaked plank, and then grill those, uh, usually direct, indirect, for another half hour or so, topped with cheese, scallions, bacon, whatever you want to. 
number one, it takes pressure out of the kitchen because you've already cooked them once. You're sort of basically reheating them. It makes it a little bit easier. Uh, but also from a presentation standpoint, um, it's kind of cool to take that smoldering plank off the grill, uh, pushing that smoke flavor into those potatoes and serving that up with everything else. Yeah, I'm definitely going to give that a try. That's really good. Yeah, I've never and it, never put potatoes on a plank before. <laughs> yeah, and even, even on the smaller scale, take like a smaller uh, fingerling potatoes, parboil maybe seven minutes, and then smash them onto a plank, season them up again, salt, pepper, uh, garlic, uh, and then put those back on for the same, you know, half hour or so. And that's almost like a roast potato, a little bit of tenderness inside with an outside of roastedness. And of course, that wonderful addition of smoke, uh, just it's it's fantastic. Yeah, definitely. So do you, do you always soak your planks in water before? I do a lot of the times. I mean, everyone says, you know, soak them. Um, if I want to make sure I've got some leeway, I will. But a lot of times I throw caution to the wind. They go, eh, I'm just going to do it. Keep an eye on it. Yeah. Uh, and I'll move it around the grill just to make sure I don't in, you know, incinerate it, which, of course, I have done before, probably. <laughs> probably when you had another pint. <laughs> uh, you know, well, I remember uh, as having a, a full salmon filet topped with herbs, forgot about it. Went back outside to the towering inferno, of course, making sure I grabbed my camera to capture the Yay. wonderful debacle. Uh, but I will say it was still edible, so it was not a total failure, and I got a good picture out of it. So win-win. Yeah, that's the main thing. <laughs> no one needs to know what it tastes like, as long as it looks good. Yeah, that's right. It looks good. <laughs> yeah. I have people saying that all the time. They're like, oh, your food always looks amazing. It's like... Yeah, but you don't know what it tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's so true. I mean, that's, you know, talking especially um, when you make larger roasts and things like that, and if you don't cut into it to present it, there is always a crowd of skepticism. Like, ah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> the outside looks great. What's the inside look like? Yeah. So I know, you know, most recently um, I did a prime rib video for Weber uh, on the rotisserie on the red kettle, and that was, I made sure that last, that last money shot, there was no doubt that was a, uh, a wonderfully cooked medium rare prime rib so no reason no reason for doubt yeah yeah i've had the exact same thing it's the amount of times i've posted stuff and they're like well there's no slice shot there's no slice shot so it can't have been very good <laughs> exactly I was, I, i'd just eaten it i got too excited <laughs> <laughs> that might happened too <laughs> yeah. that tends to be my my biggest problem is that i'll i'll do like the, all the video taking all the pictures and then the food's ready and you just eat it and then you go oh no <laughs> yeah, well, all that, exactly. All that build yeah. up, and I haven't got the final shots of eating it now. Yeah, or I'm notorious for dinner being a little bit cold or maybe a little bit late uh, yeah. because photos come first. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, thankfully, I have a forgiving family. They kind of they kind of laugh at it now, and they expect it. So if I say dinner six thirty, okay, great, we'll be there at seven. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's ready when it's ready. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Perfect. Yeah, you, can't, you can't put a time on barbecue. <laughs> Nope. No, you can't. It's an experience. Yeah. <laughs> the journey is just as great as the destination. We can't forget that. Yeah. Awesome. So what about what's it come to when you're doing your desserts on Christmas? Do, uh, do you grill anything funny. dessert? -wise? You, know, you know, not a lot. I mean, the one thing that I, I probably talk about the most are those banana boats that I've always done. Uh, and that's typically more of a summer thing. If you've seen the bananas, it's basically... Um, Take a slit in a banana, stuff it full of marshmallows, chocolate, um, peanuts, walnuts, whatever you want to, Oreos. And then you grill them indirect. The peel turns black and the insides basically liquefy and you scoop it out and eat it. Mm. I mean, they're really, really good. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, they're, they're great. Um, but typically, I'm not a big dessert eater. So unless it's something specific, I usually – I'm 
probably thinking at what beer I'm going to have next to kind of wash everything down versus something sweet to have. But the grill is certainly uh, versatile for baking as well. I mean, if it's your outdoor oven, take advantage of it. Yeah, definitely. Do you, will you guys, do you have like Christmas pudding and Christmas cake and stuff like that? Or do you not have that sort of thing? Uh, no, actually, uh, she was supposed to make one this year, then didn't, then I kind of wanted to buy one cause I'll certainly eat it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that won't stop me whatsoever. Uh, but this year, unfortunately that's going to be a miss. I'll miss it. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. We've had, uh, the Christmas pudding's been on today, getting itself ready. <laughs> so it's start, uh, starting to feel like Christmas now. <laughs> I can imagine I can taste it already. <laughs> yeah. I need to get some mince pies made there. I haven't, I haven't made any yet this year. I've just, just, just eaten them. <laughs> yeah, well, that could be a problem. <laughs> yeah, but they they taste good though. I like the kind of smoky pastry flavoring. It tastes good when they're done outside. Oh, completely. I imagine they would be. That's awesome. Mm. So we could do your banana. Your banana concept could still work as a Christmas dessert. Add some like cinnamon and some kind of fruity flavors to it. You could put even you could put some of your like mince pie mints into it with it couldn't you that'd be a quite a nice little twist to do that oh yeah no you totally could that'd be awesome yeah so, that sounds pretty good actually good thing with bananas they kind of like work with most things really very versatile aren't they yeah i mean that's they're versatile and really for dessert i mean fruit is probably one of the best things for the grill yeah because you, you take advantage of, of that ability to make something sweeter whether it be you're grilling apples for some sort of mixture with you know brown sugar maple syrup um I've done some pecan or bourbon pecan grilled apples, uh, which are, are nice as well for a sort of a sweet finish to a meal. So there, yeah, there are definitely a lot of things you could do. Yeah, I've got I've got one of one of the rubs that I've got. I'm trying to think who it's made by now. It's called Pineapple Head. I think it might be Dizzy Pig or something like that. They make mm. a, make a rub and it's it's really like a sweet one and it's it works really well. So kind of a brown sugary cinnamon sort of vibe going on with it, but works really well with desserts so quite often i'll just slice up some apples and just sprinkle a bit of that over the top of it and grill it and it just makes a lovely little sim- really simple but effective dessert oh well that sounds fantastic mm. yeah it's good now i'm getting hungry thanks yeah <laughs> same here i've already had my i've already had my dinner though. you've got something to look forward to yeah that's right <laughs> mine's still ahead of me thank you yeah. not behind me so it's all it's all good yeah <laughs> i've missed mine <laughs> cool right we're approaching our half hour mark already. It just time flies so quickly when you're chatting. But uh, oh, absolutely. I want to let you get back to work and I want to thank you for being on. Um, can you just remind everyone where they can find you on like social media and your website and stuff like that? Yeah, uh, my uh, website is anotherpintplease.com and I'm on Instagram as anotherpintplease and Twitter as anotherpintplease, P-L-S. So please uh, look me up. Awesome. Well, that's it, guys. Check out Mike on there, and thanks again, Mike, for coming on. It's no, thanks so much for having great me. Great to speak to you, and I'm sure we can try and catch up with you again and chat about loads more stuff in the future. Oh, likewise. Awesome. Well, thanks, mate. Alrighty, take care. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Bye. You're listening to Your United Q Podcast. We're brought to you by ProQ, Barbecue Gourmet, Kamado Joe, and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ provide quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. And you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. 
Barbecue Gourmet, supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning rubs, sauces, marinades and accessories from the US and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. Kamado Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out kamadojoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent. Whether it's smoking wood chunks, dust, chips or planks, you can find them at smokewoodshack.com. And you can find them on Twitter at smokewoodshack.com. 